Sundays, uh, we've been looking at a few different topics, you know, a handful of different topics on expectations compared to the realities of those things. And I must admit, they've been pretty easy up to this point because, I mean, it was pretty easy for me to select these different topics that I can look in the Bible and I can see, okay, this is what people of Jesus' day were expecting, and then this is what Jesus kind of brought that was a little different. And it can be pretty easy to be critical of those people during their day. But this lesson is going to be different than that. In fact, this lesson, I think, if anything, it sort of throws us back into that position of those people of God living in the days of Jesus. And what I mean by that is what we're looking at is the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ. However, we kind of want to to uh, to phrase this. I think that we need to view expectation of it versus reality. And I guess what I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of with me is to kind of try to imagine it. In fact, I want you to maybe just take a moment, just right now, it, you know, even if you have to maybe kind of pause this video or maybe if you even want to kind of pause it and, and talk with some other people, uh, just what you think the return of Christ is going to be like, because those all reveal our expectations of what it is. Now, for so this way we're all kind of on the same page at least. Uh, let me tell you basically what I'm expecting that day to be like. Now, I want us to recognize that, that whatever we say, it needs to be guided by what the scriptures say about it. 
But we also need to recognize that, you know, we might kind of misapply or maybe kind of read a few things into the scriptures that God didn't really uh, in intend. So we need to understand that we might think it's got to be exactly this one way. But we need to also understand, you know, it might be a little bit different because that's exactly what Jesus was asking the followers of God to do during his own day was to recognize they had their own idea of what they expected, but the reality of it was a little different. Now, this one, uh, I don't think that we're going to have a whole lot of time in order to uh, be able to decide that and kind of make a, a different decision at that moment, because I think the return of Christ is going to bring about kind of the end of, of life as we know it. Uh, I, I believe that whenever Christ returns, what we will see is right then and there, uh, we, the, the judgment scene will happen. You know, I know that, that sometimes people uh, who read the Bible, they, they kind of read a little different uh, idea about that. And maybe you even have a, a little bit idea of, of how that might happen uh, differently than what I just described. Uh, but as far as I can tell, and the expectation that I have about how it's going to happen is that it will be, you know, in a very sudden moment that whenever Christ returns, everything is going to change at that moment. And, and let me explain kind of uh, how and, and why as we look at the Bible together. I most certainly know that on that day, there's going to be a lot of people who are surprised. Let's look at that first. In Matthew chapter 7, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus himself said in verses 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now we read that, and to many of us, you know, it kind of just sounds a little harsh. But I believe that what we see is that, that Jesus is recognizing, and he's telling them that, you know, look, it's more about following Christ, and it's more about following God than just saying, you know, Lord, I, I believe in you and I, I want to follow you. Now we actually have to back it up with, with doing something about that. In verse 21, he says, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So it's something for us to strive for. But this is something that a lot of people maybe expected the return of Christ to be one way. And whenever he, he comes uh, and, and allows everybody to give an account for what they've done, you know, they say, oh, oh you know, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, perform miracles in your name? But he says, I never knew you. Why would he say, I never knew you? He says that because they might have called out to him and they might have been engaged in, in doing some, some good things. But if we're not actually doing the will of our father, and if we don't really come into that covenant relationship with him, then he doesn't know us because we're not part of, of the family of God. We need to embrace God, and we need to be embraced by God by doing the will of our Father who is in heaven. So we definitely see that there are going to be some people who their expectations don't match up with the reality because they're expecting to be able to just, you know, kind of kind of get in and be a part of this kingdom and, and do everything that God is doing uh, just, you know, based on, on what they've done. But they really need to be focusing on the will of my Father and knowing the will of my Father. Uh, just as what Jesus says in verse 21. This is not the only time that Jesus tells people that people are going to be surprised whenever the Lord returns. In Matthew chapter 25, 
This is a very famous passage talking about the, the sheep and the goats. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 33. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Very familiar passage. We see this setting up. What this is talking about, I believe, is when Christ returns. Whenever we must all give an account for the things that we've done, he's going to separate us. Those who are with him, those who are not with him. The sheep, the goats. But what we see from this scene is that, guess what? The sheep are actually surprised at what happened. And so are the goats. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that their expectations don't always match the reality of what's happening in their midst? If we keep reading, we see this. Verses 34 through 40 now. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, give you something to drink? When is it we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick? Or in prison and go visit you. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is where not so much the, the event itself is going to be different uh, than their expectations, but we see that these people are, are kind of surprised. The ones who are on the right, the sheep, the ones who are doing the things, that they're doing the will of the Father. This is what Jesus told them to be doing. But then they're still wondering, well, well, when did we do those things? You know, how, how did that happen? You know, at what point uh, did that take place? And Jesus tells them that whenever we treat our neighbor the way that we would want to be treated, then we're actually treating Jesus like that. Because, you know, Jesus is our neighbor. When we do these things to people around us, these, these brothers and sisters of mine, as what Jesus says, as the king says in verse 40, we do them to Jesus himself. We do them to, to God himself. This is what the king says. And the expectation is a little different than the reality. But now we see, now we, we have this heads up and we, we see that we need to be taking care of those people around us who, who have needs like what's, what's mentioned here. We need to be serving them as we would be serving the Lord. But the sheep are not the only ones who expected one thing and received something a little different. The goats are surprised as well. Verses 41 through 46. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison that did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. 
Now we see the expectations are different than the reality. They expected that everything was going to be okay for them because they thought that they had, you know, kind of kind of done the things that they needed to do. They didn't understand, you know, when when did we not take care of you, Lord? You know, when did we not help you? We would have helped you. But he says that verse 45, whatever you did not do for the one of the least of these, you did not do for me. The way that we treat people around us, the way that we treat the brothers and sisters of Jesus, shows us a lot about the way that we treat Jesus himself. And it means the difference as to, to what we will hear on that day, to what side we will be on, whether we will be on the right side or the left side, the side of the sheep or the side of the goats, the side of eternal punishment or the side of eternal life. What are we doing right here, right now, about these things? Now, these are some of the expectations of what will happen on that day. But the actual day itself and what that will be like, I want to share uh, with you a, a passage uh, from something that Paul writes. And this gives us a beautiful image for us to think about. But then also, I think it deals with this expectation compared to the reality that it might not match up to what everybody could be expecting. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I believe this is describing what the, what the return of Christ is going to look like. I believe this is what the second coming of Christ will be like for us. I believe we will see all of these things happen in a moment, in a very quick moment. And we see that there is a little bit of an order about things. Those who have died are, are going to be raised up first, and then those who are still alive, they're, they're going to be able to go and, and to be with God, and, and uh, their death is going to be a little different. You know, death being that separation of, of, of our body and everything. It's going to be a little different. We all have this hope of being able to receive a new body in the future. But it is kind of interesting to look at, at some of the timing of things. And even whenever I was reading these, you probably had an image come up in your mind as to what this would look like. And I kind of go back and forth, and I've voiced this to you before, but I kind of go back and forth myself as to, to what perspective, if I could choose to see this day from different perspectives, what perspective would I want? Would I want to be like what the largest perspective is going to be? You know, those who have died, and, and they're going to be raised up and, and to be able to experience all those things? Or would I want to be one who is still alive, be able to maybe catch a glimpse of people coming out of their graves and to, to ascend and to be with God? Now, you know, maybe my expectations of that day are a little different than the reality of it. But all of these things, keep in mind, all of these things are true. All of these things are pointing to what's going to happen on that day. We see that because we know 
that Jesus died and that he rose. We also know, we believe, that God will also be able to protect those who have fallen asleep, that he will be able to raise all of us up from the dead at that trumpet call of God. We can be able to meet the Lord and to be with the Lord forever. This is written to those people who are faithful followers of God. We need to be encouraging one another with these words. Now, these can help passages like this. They can help shape our expectation of what that day will be like. But that day, in reality, is still going to be different. It's still going to take a lot of people by surprise. That's why Paul continues on even after this passage, and he says these words here. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 3, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. This is where many people's expectations of that day are not going to match up with the reality. They're not going to be expecting the day. I think many people are going to live their lives every day just the way that they have always lived it. And on the day that the Lord returns, I believe that that's still going to seem like an ordinary day to most people. They're going to start their day, they're going to live their life, and they're going to think everything's going to go on today just as it has in all times past. People might even be saying, oh, you know, peace and safety, everything's going great. And at that moment, you won't be able to escape this day. You won't be able to escape this time whenever the Lord comes, this day of the Lord, that's described like a thief in the night. Now, some of these images, though, produce things that, that can be a little scary. And, and sometimes people read this and they, they get a little scared of that day of judgment. But I want to remind you of what Paul continues on and says even after this. In verses 4 through 11, but you, brothers and sisters, talking about Christians, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. We see the statement again to encourage one another, to build one another up, because this day of the Lord that's going to be coming it should be one that should encourage us. It should be one that we can recognize that God is going to bring about justice on the earth. We will receive the things that we have been working forward to. That is eternal life with God forever. This day of the Lord, it doesn't have to surprise us like a thief. Because we know it's coming. And we need to be awake. We need to be alert. We need to be prepared for that day. You can't do that whenever the day comes. You have to prepare for it ahead of time. Just like if you're taking a, a class, you know, you have a final exam at the very end. You can't expect to wake up the day of the final exam 
and to do all of your studying and pre prepare for that day on the very day of. It does not work like that. What you have to do in order to be ready for the final is to be working all along, to be able to learn the things that you're supposed to learn so that that way you will be able to pass the test at the end. And in this case, we've got to be people who are doing the things that we are called to do right here, right now. We need to be people, children of the light, children of the day. We need to be people who are involved in things like what verse 8 says, involved in things of faith and love and hope. We have been appointed, verse 9, to receive salvation, salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to be afraid of that day. We do have to be ready for that day. We have to be prepared for that day. The expectations of it might be a little, little different than the reality. But I think most of the times that, you know, these things we might be concerned about, about that final day, uh, most of them are going to work themselves out. What we do have is we have a heads up of, of what to expect, at least somewhat of what to expect. And we need to be encouraging one another, building each other up, preparing for that day. That day is coming. The second coming of Christ, the return of Christ, it will come someday. Let's make sure that we are ready. And let's make sure that we help one another get ready for that day. God of mercy, Lord of light, to